Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. I can take them to a place uh, personally that they can't get to themselves. Right back in this game. Big expectations. They got to buy into that, and it's not going to be comfortable at times. I pull and I root for the team because I know if the team's playing well, it makes the people in the city excited and happy. You know, we're in this thing to win. This game is over. This is Ryan Eugene Hopkins. This is Arthur Platon. This is is Cam Talbot. This is Connor McDavid from your Edmonton Oilers. This is Oil Country. And this is Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Office supplies at huge savings? Yeah, Digitex does that. D I G I T. Now, Bob Stoffer on the official radio station of your Edmonton Oilers, 630 Shed. Take a step off your soapbox and see what it's like on the ground. Frustrated Oilers fans out there after a 6-2 collapse by the Oilers last night against Chicago. Hey, it's Brendan Escott filling in for Bob Stoffer today on Oilers Now. Bob is at the rink currently making his way down to the airport where he will board a flight along with the Oilers. They're headed to Minnesota for a game tomorrow. Do they still call it the XL Energy Center there? Maybe. They change it so often. Toilers Now, it's all brought to you by Digitex. PCs, copiers, supplies, printers, laptops, IT, plotters, software. And now, Digitex can manage your corporate cell phone plan, saving your company money. All your devices managed at digitex.ca. We got a jam-packed one again today. I have a lot of fun talking to most of our guests, all of our guests, really. But today's a special one for me. Coming up at 105 today, we will have a legend, a living legend, Ron McLean from Hockey Night in Canada. He will be on to talk about Hockey Day in Canada, which is coming up on uh, Saturday in Swift Current. Before that, though, we will hear from our regular Wednesday contributor, Craig Simpson at 1235. And then at 1.35, uh, an update from the farm, but not from Jay Woodcroft. We'll hear it right from the horse's mouth. Goaltender Shane Sturette is going to join me on uh, Oilers Now here again, coming up at 1.35. Here's how you get a hold of us. You can call us on the Oilers Now hotline, 780-496-0063. That's brought to you by Kim Mitchell on February 27th at the River Cree Resort and Casino. You can get tickets at Ticketmaster.ca. You can also text 
text in at 630-630. That's the Heartland Ford text line. You think all dealerships are the same? Think again. Experience buying a vehicle on your terms with no pressure at Heartland Ford. We're on Twitter. The show is at Oilers Now. Bob is at Bob underscore Stoffer and myself. I will have my Twitter open throughout the show, so feel free to tweet me at Brendan Escott. All right. Uh, without further ado, before we even get into it, I'm just going to have uh, Jack Michaels tell the story of what was uh, yet another tough loss. Make it six in a row now for the Oilers as we jump into the Oilers Now Audio Vault brought to you by Direct Workwear. For product knowledge, compliancy, great pricing and innovation, directworkwear.com, an Edmonton-based company. The Blackhawks, like the Philadelphia Flyers, a team that's been playing very well as of late. Eric Gustafson right off the draw with a wrist shot that glanced off the left post behind a screen. Cam Talbot. Shotner's save made. Rebound score. Leon Dreisaitl pumps it past a helpless Cam Ward. Waiting left circle dish. One-timer score. Leon Dreisaitl. Two goals in this first period and Edmonton takes its first lead of the night. Two to one. Through the seam from McDavid. Great luck for Leon Dreisaitl. He's in the kill zone and he's got two power play goals. It ricocheted to McDavid. He's in centers. What a sprawling save made by Cam Ward on Ty Reddy. Pass came back to Kruger. One-timer score. John Hayden, of all people, able to beat Cam Talbot. Drop pass, waiting and shooting and scoring. What a shot by Dylan Strom, top shelf. Here's Anisimov off a turnover through the neutral zone. Wrist shot dropped by Cam Talbot. Loose, high slot, tucked home. Patrick Kane makes it 4-2. A lunging play by Russell forces a dish. One-timer score. Kajula atones and puts it top right corner on Miko Koskinen. And Koskinen greeted with Kajula's second goal as a Blackhawk to Seabrook. Centering pass tipped home by Dominic Cahoon. Power play goal for the Hawks. It's 6-2 with 7.48 to play. Everything they put to the net right now is going in. And Dreisaitl hoists one just underneath the scoreboard to kill the clock. And that's your final. Chicago, five third period goals. It was a collapse of epic proportions. Mark Spector wrote uh, an article for Sportsnet after the game saying that was actually the worst third period collapse since 1993 for the Oilers. It was, uh, I don't even know how to, to frame this any other way than this team is so fragile when things start to go wrong. And we'll get to a clip right now as we're inside the direct workwear audio vault uh, from Leon Dreisaitl, who, who talked about the mood on the bench during the collapse. Of course, we try and stay positive, but then you get the third one, then you get the fourth one. And, you know, we're still trying to stay positive, but it's hard at that point. Um, but, yeah, we got to figure it out. But how? How how does one figure it out? There's been a coaching change. There's been a general manager change. Six losses in a row amid all of that. And again, I say the team looks good, but never for long enough, right? The power play at the end of that first period was clicking on all cylinders. It was a fantastic effort there. And then it went from 16 shots in the first to seven in the second to four shots on goal in the third. You're not going to win a hockey game if you can't get the puck towards the other team's goal that's basic and uh you know you can't sugarcoat this stuff the way that uh the way that i'm sure would be easier to listen to now 
something that wasn't easy to listen to. And you got to understand that, like, part of my job with Chad and, and working with the Oilers is to be in the room uh, and, and collect the audio for the interviews for, for uh, post-game stuff. And I was a little bit nervous. I'm still a rookie in this role, right? So I was nervous heading down there last night. How were people going to react, et cetera? Uh, and then we get to Hitch's post-game presser, which lasted all of 55 seconds. So I'm just going to play this right now in its entirety to uh, round out the audio vault here. Well, Ken, you've had some struggles in the third period, but th- that kind of goes to a new level. Four goals in under three minutes and game's over. Yeah. Well, we weathered the storm after two. They were coming at us pretty good in the second two. They were building their game, and we we started strong and went the other way. And uh, I didn't see the third period coming, but we paid for not managing the puck. Did you get an explanation on why you didn't that that wasn't goaltender interference? It looked like Talbot was hooked up with Brown and. Yeah, he, he said that the goalie had time to recover. Position, so. Um, pulling Cam at that spot was it kind of. Were you not happy with the, the goals, or were you, it was just more of trying to get the team to kind of regroup? And well, I was trying to get a timeout without a timeout, so we're just trying to do something. So, and there you have it. That's all that was said. That was all that was asked. It's uh, it's been the same old story. As a reporter, what do you ask when you got the same thing going on game after game after game? Drake Kajula did come back to haunt his old team, and I lied. This is going to be the final clip. But our Kyle Morris was working the Blackhawks dressing room last night. Anytime a, a team you know trades you away, you want to make sure that when you come back, you kind of make a statement and uh, you know maybe make them miss you a little bit and. Uh, you know, I wanted to come in here and play a strong game, and I thought I did. And um, you know, I was you know, rewarded with a goal, and uh, you know, it definitely felt good to you know come back here and finally score one. Six-two, the final. Kajula, one of those six. And there it is. The Oilers now six losses in a row. Remarkably, thanks to the rest of the Western Conference playoff picture, they're still in it. Uh, but something has to change, not just on the ice, but in terms, in my opinion anyway, of the whole attitude surrounding this team right now. All right, it's 12, uh, creeping up on 12.15 here at Edmonton. We do have Bob Stoffer standing by. We'll step aside for our first timeout. We'll bring the big guy in when we come back on Oilers Now. This is Connor McDavid from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on 6.30 Chad. Brendan Escott today in for Bob Stoffer, but we do have Bob on the River Cree Resort Casino hotline, so let's bring him in right now. Bob, you're at practice. What's the vibe around the team? What were your thoughts on last night's loss? Well, let's start with last night's loss. I mean, obviously a sense of exasperation for the fans out there and frustration, and, and it's fair. I mean, the team's lost 10 of 12 games at home. Right now they look like they don't have a chip. Like, they can't take a punch. Um, and I think it's uh, there's, there's several factors. The biggest factor for me in terms of the, you know, how the team is built, I mean, there's some people out there, well, blame the players. That's too easy for me. I mean, I just look at the, specifically the forward units and what we thought we were dealing with late in the summer. Uh, you know, they signed Brodziak and Reeder to be free agents. Reader to be, uh, you know, somewhere in the top nine. He's got zero goals this year. They signed Brodjek to be a fourth-line center, wins some face-offs on the PK, and then the general manager at the time, in his infinite wisdom, decides to trade a guy that was sort of coming into his role as a third-line center, kind of understanding and reinventing himself, kind of like Marty Reisner did 
several years ago for the Oilers. You know, focused on being the Oilers' uh, top uh, forward PK unit with Jujar Kara. We're talking about Ryan Strom. And it's Ryan Strom away for a guy that's currently playing in the American Hockey League. So now you're down Strom. And, uh, you know, then a couple influences. And Ken Hitchcock's talked a lot about uh, doing uh, some intel on Brandon Manning, but the decision was made to go get Manning because there was concern. Lack of depth of defense. They didn't know how long Russell was out for. Cliff Bob and Secker still out a while. So now you're basically, from from my point of view, the Oilers, from what we thought maybe the team had up front, Brendan, to right now, you're pretty much four forwards down. You've traded, you traded Stroll for nothing, a guy that can't help you. You've traded Drake Kajul away, who the last time Edmonton played Chicago was unaligned with Connor McDavid and Ryan Nugent Hopkins and scored twice. You trade him away for a guy that's going to be a 6-7 D-man for you. Um, you're not getting anything out of Reader. He doesn't have a goal this year on 60 shots on goal. He's not, you know, it's... I mean, I, I don't know if anybody saw that coming. And, uh, and that project's being forced to play too many minutes, so he can't be effective in a more minimalized role. And so at the end of the day, you can be upset at the team and mad at the players, but... I got to tell you something here. This is as much on uh, on management, the organization, for where they're at, at least up front. Okay, at least up front, they don't have the support, the lineup, to you know sort of coexist with that terrific top three players of uh, McDavid, Drysaitel, and Nugent Hopkins. And for the fans out there that want to sit there and pin a tail on a guy like Leon Drysaitel, give your head a shake. Like, really? You got two guys top ten in the league in scoring. And another guy almost at a point per game. So, in terms of the forward units, if that doesn't reinforce the poor team building that took place and further illustrate why the decision was made with Peter Shirelli, I don't know what does. Defensively, Clefbaum coming back from injury, got a stick lifted on a goal. Shirelli, in fairness, got a little bit of bad luck, a lot of bad luck on the second torn Achilles. Um, but by his own admission, he didn't build a defense that was very good at transitioning the puck, and the game has moved a certain direction. Neither goaltender has confidence right now. You know, it's uh, they're going back to Talbot tomorrow. I'm a little surprised by that, frankly, but they're going to go back to Camp Talbot and give, us, give them a chance to get going. So they don't have a very good team, and they got to have everything firing you got to have everybody going and everybody pulling the same way because of the lack of depth that they have up front because they don't have a guy standing on his head between the pipes. So they've got to have as positive a culture in terms of the actual team as they can. It's and not- because they don't, when they struggle, Brendan, what ends up happening is they don't have a chance. They can't take that gut punch. It does knock the window. So the only way they're going to get out of it is everyone, everyone that's on that bench, everyone pulling in the same role, same direction, pulling on the rope the same way, and sticking with them. What do you think, Bob, about uh, t- last night was the first time we've seen fans 
you know, start to throw the jerseys on the ice. And and we saw the stare down when Talbot got pulled. He stares the bench down. And I'm, I'm starting to, as a hockey fan, I'm not a fan of this team necessarily. But as a hockey fan, Bob, I worry about the culture around the team. And that stems from everything to do with it. The fans and the, and the interactions between players and coaches and stuff like that. And the reason that I bring that up is because I look at the schedule and it's not as if things get any easier in the next five games. So... Where does this team look for positivity right now? Well, you know, part of it's got to come in terms of the reinforcement from the coaching staff, right? Like, you can't be sitting there on the bench nattering away at your players. I'm not on the bench. But, uh, you know, and I know we have a a segment of our listenership that, you know, say, well, that's not the way I was raised. You know, we got a kick in the ass when things I'm sorry, things are different. And, uh, you, you know, you, you got to try to build a sense of belief and work hard on that in that regard. Uh, I wouldn't have pulled Cam Talbot yesterday when they pulled him, you know, when Ken Hitchcock made that decision. Uh, and the stare down, you know, that happens once in a while. And Cam hasn't done that a lot. But put yourself in Cam Talbot's shoes. You know, he knew fully well there were two goaltenders that were unrestricted free agents that we're looking at extensions, and one of them was going to get one, and he didn't get it. And I have some empathy for him, given the fact that he has been a, a core part of their culture group and their leadership group for a couple of years. In terms of the fans, there's an old saying, you pay the dollar, you get a holler, right? I mean, I, I think it's kind of trite that you spend 250 bucks on a jersey and then chuck one on the ice, but it's not a great look. The team's got to play better at home. It's, it's not on the fans to sit there, you know, come playoff time, they're going to be behind them. But with what's happened here, when you lose 10 out of 12 games, there's going to be exa- exasperation and frustration. But at the end of the day, what I'm saying to you is this team is not good enough the way it's currently configured, which is not to say you could, I mean, they're, Brendan, they've been looking for a third-line center now since the 20th game of the year. Shirelli gave one away. The guy wasn't perfect, but he gave one away. You know, Drake, I won't even get into the team dynamic of where Stroman Kajula slotted with a guy like Connor McDavid because I'm not 100% sure, but sure looked like every time there was a band in town or something like that, that Stroman Kajula were, you know, with McDavid in the building at those events. So, you know, you got to cultivate as much positive energy as you can. And the roster wasn't perfect to begin with, but it's not the same team. Like, Peter Shirelli basically downgraded the team during the course of the season. And now these guys are left with picking up the pieces. If you're asking me, am I concerned about McDavid and Dreisaitl and Nurse, I mean, I believe in their character, and I believe the the organization has to support what those guys want and desire. So interpret that any way you want. What do you make of Ken Hitchcock? He he watched practice sitting with uh, Keith yeah. Gretzky today and, and uh, some of the other Oilers brass, as opposed to being I, on the ice. I, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm going to have to talk with him separately. I mean, maybe he just wanted to take a step back away from the team for a day at practice. Maybe he wasn't. I, I don't know. I don't want to jump to any conclusions that way. So i got to find out, and that's what we'll endeavor to do. Um you know, it's 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 a young leadership core. 
you look at Jeremy Carlton, it's interesting because Chicago was a disaster for about the first 10 or 12 games that Carlton went in there. And now they've clearly he's bred some offensive confidence in the team, and he's kind of done a, a thing that a lot of people didn't expect that he would do, right? Like he put Hayes and Kane back together and then ran with, I mean, they stole, I've always liked Dylan Strom, they stole Strom out of Arizona. Now he's playing with Alex Brinkett. And that those and sort of running with those uh, young guys. I mean, it reminds me of Craig McTavish back in 07-08. I know he had an assistant coach at that time that told him, just play Kanye, Nielsen, and Cogliano together. And they did in the final 20 games of the year, and I think Edmonton won 14. So, you know, sometimes a little bit different perspective on things makes a difference. Uh, and sometimes a younger voice makes a difference. So maybe they, you know, and... Maybe that was just it for today's practice. I don't know, though. I'll have to talk to Hitch later on today. All right, Bob. uh, Very quickly here. Power play trending in the right direction. Penalty kill trending very much in the wrong direction. Uh, Where where is the consistency with special teams? Well, I don't know what the face-off percentage was in the penalty kill last night, but it was 36 to 33% in Philadelphia and in uh, Montreal. So I ask you this. Who did the Oilers trade? You know, right around, I don't know, November 15, 16, 17, that took face. And he wasn't great at it, but he was the right shot option and was paired with Tujar Kerr in the Oilers' top PK unit for portals. Who they trade? Ryan Strong. So, you know, that was the guy that was starting to come to terms with what he was doing and the guy that gave the coach some. I mean, if you had Strong here as a center because Spooner clearly couldn't do it, then you had the option of playing either Dry Settle or Nugent Hopkins with McDavid. Because Strom can center at third line, um, they're not good enough on faceoffs. And as a rule of thumb, your best penalty killer has to be your goaltender. In terms of the power play, Dry Settle won some draws in the Ozone, but they also, I thought, lost some momentum early in the second by not scoring on the, albeit 27 second five on three. So have some fun. I know everybody's cheesed off and upset and all that kind of stuff, and that's because they care, and I get it. And the owners got to work on it, and internally with their group. They got to keep it as positive as possible, and if there aren't people around the group that aren't positive, then maybe they need to start, uh, you know, making some changes in that regard. All right, Bob. Thanks so much for your time today, and safe travels. See ya. All right, that is our own Bob Stoffer checking in from uh, from the road. They're headed to Minnesota pretty quickly here. We're going to head off to a global news weather traffic update with Eileen Bell. We'll come back with Craig Simpson from Hockey Night in Canada. It's Brendan Escott filling in for Bob Stoffer on Oilers Now. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.